Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Man, so glad to be here. I'm loving this series on Revelation, excuse me, and um, I am finding myself, as we go through Revelation, I am thinking about heaven more and more. And so today we're going to talk about heaven, we'll, we'll see a spot what's happening in heaven, and also talking about Jesus coming again. But what I find myself doing is thinking about it more, and I'm talking about it more. Uh, most of you know uh, that I have two uh, special needs sons, and, and Trenton just turned seven this past week. And uh, he is in a wheelchair, and he has very little uh, control, arms and legs, but beautiful smile, uh, brilliant child. And then I have Cage, who will be 10 in January, and he has CP and epilepsy and autism and, and several other issues. Well, what we do is we ride the lawnmower a lot. They, and that's, and when, I, when I tell you that, after I just described my two kids, if you're watching online, you never heard about these two kids, you're thinking... Why is he putting those two kids on a lawnmower, you know? Um, they love it. It is what we do almost every day is just ride the lawnmower. Well, we're riding the lawnmower, and I don't have the blade engaged or anything like that. And I'm talking to them. I say, hey, guys, you know, one day we're going to be in heaven, you know, and Cage is driving, you know, and, and Trenton's, you know, he's looking around. I said, you know what? And when we get to heaven, Trenton is going to run, and he's going to jump, and he's going to – and Trenton's just smiling. He's just smiling. He, you know, just – I mean, he's completely – as much as he can't understand that one day he's going to run and jump and smile and talk. And then I said, Cage, I said, you know, you're not going to have seizures anymore. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah. And he, you know, he's driving, you know, he's halfway listening. And I said, you know what? And you know what? You're, you're, you're not going to get in trouble anymore. <laughs> I said, no, you're not. And I said, you know what? It's just going to be incredible. And I'm talking. I said, we're going to live there. And he goes, we're going to live there. For, how long are we going to live there? I said, forever. forever. He said, how do we get there? Do we turn left? And I was like, yeah, you can get there that way. I don't even know how to answer, you know. I don't think I'm lying, but I just don't know what to say. You know, and then he goes, he goes uh, is Nathan going to be there? His 16-year-old brother. I'm like, is he concerned? You know, I don't know. I said, yeah, Nathan's going to be there. But, but I, I can't wait for that day. And I said, you know what? The last thing I said, you know who's going to be there? I said, Jesus is going to be there. And Cage went, I said, yeah, we're going to see him. We're going to talk to him. And we're going to be able to touch him. Listen, I want you to have that kind of hope as we, as we walk through this book of Revelation. You know, when the book was originally written to the, the, to the original hearers, it was an incredible source of, of encouragement. And throughout the, the decade, not decades, throughout the, the last couple thousand years, it's become a book that's really been used to debate with. Don't fall into that trap. And let the Word of God, let the book of Revelation encourage you. We may not understand everything that's written in it. That's okay. All right? But let's just walk through it 
And let's remember that in the end, man, the church wins and Jesus takes the church as his bride. And man, it's going to be better than any way that I could ever describe it to you. Now, last week we talked about the scrolls, and in the scrolls you had the, the history of the world, the history of our kids, our, our Lord willing, our, our grandkids, and it's really the, the consummation of all of, of history, and we found that there's nobody worthy to open it up, and we're going to get back to that in just a second, but in those scrolls we, we find the meaning of life, and we find the purpose for being here, and how God is going to reset all things as they should be like they were before sin entered the world. And so in chapter 6 and 7, we, we're going to see terms like poor horsemen and, and the pale rider. I know when you hear pale rider, a lot of you think of Clint Eastwood or, you know, how many of y'all even know who Clint Eastwood is, okay? That's a dying generation, aren't we? You know, all right. So you think about Clint Eastwood. I mean, what does all that mean? 144,000, is that it? Is that all I can make it? What does all this mean? There are many different views on Revelation. And again, on these views, we don't all have to be on the same page in order to be saved. You, you can study this, and you can study this section of Scripture, and you can walk away. You look at four different authors, you could come away with four different views. Some, some slightly different from each other, and some vastly or completely different from each other. I have come to the conclusion there are two experts on the book of Revelation. John who wrote it, and Jesus who told him what to say. That, that's the conclusion I've come to. But we're going to use today Scripture to interpret Scripture. If you've ever been through a Bible study course on how to study the Bible, one of the things you want to use, you want to use Scripture as much as possible to, to interpret what Scripture means. So we're going to be walking through as we... Matthew 24, when Jesus is talking about the end of things, we're going to be looking at Matthew 24 as we walk through these chapters in Revelation. But remember this when it comes to the book of Revelation, and we keep saying this each week, and we'll say it throughout the, the series, this passage cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them. Okay, it, it cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them. So this passage, what it's really going to do today, helps us see, as we get into it today, what's really happening in the world, the, the real reality. What, we're, what we talked about last week when, when Brandon was speaking and, and this week is John is caught up in the heavens and, and God is at Jesus and you got the, the 12 tribes of Israel, you got the, the 12 apostles and they're surrounded this throne, you got the Jesus in the middle and all these 24 thrones around it. And we're calling it this convergent space and it's where heaven and earth meet and you got Jesus and, and, and God and, and John and us. Because of our faith in Christ. We're, we're citizens of, of heaven now. We're not going to be citizens of heaven one day. Man, we're citizens of heaven right now. And I know it's as hard as it is to believe it. Paul says we can approach this throne of grace now through faith. Now, we may not see what John sees. Matter of fact, I've never met anybody really who, who could see what John sees. But in faith, you and I are caught up in this convergent space. But that's a, that's a hard concept to, to grasp. So, so don't get stuck there. Don't, don't get lost there. But what we must know and, and understand is what is happening there. The things that we're talking about today, 
is being played out all around us. It's the real reality. So let's, let's get into these, the first four seals uh, that, that the lamb was worthy to, to open. So you have, you have the white horse. Now, there's different views on this, but, but, uh, but I'm going to go with this. The white horse, this, this represents the, the Antichrist. You got a white horse who, with a white rider that has a, a white robe and a, and a white bow. He, he looks like Jesus, but, but he's not Jesus. Now, in Matthew 24, you, you're going to see where Jesus is talking about the end of time. And what he's doing, it almost exactly parallels what's happening here in Revelation. In Jesus 24, verses 4 through 5, he says this, talking about the end of time. He says, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and and, and they'll deceive many. Man, there's going to be a a false teacher one day and he's going to say, no, I'm the Christ. Or there's going to be many false teachers. You know what they're going to say? There's many ways to heaven. There's many ways to to find your purpose in life. It's just going to be all about false teaching. Now, John wrote about this in 1 John when he talked about these false teachers and this false doctrine that, that comes out. This is what he says. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But listen to what he says. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. There's this imitation Savior that has no power to save. Now, in the world, you know what? What it looks like is they're saying this, you know what? There's a way to believe in Jesus that has nothing to do with the Jesus of the Bible. You know how you can tell a false teacher? They're going to deny that Jesus is the Son of God. They're going to deny that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They're going to deny that, no, no, there's many ways to get to heaven. And if you're struggling with that, I'm going to tell you something. You've been influenced. By this spirit of the Antichrist. You've been influenced with this false teacher. Now, it's it's okay to maybe wrestle a little bit. But recognize the fact that that is false teaching. When it says, no, there's many ways to heaven. Or, you know, if you're good enough, man, if you'll behave, man, then you'll get into heaven. No, we're getting to heaven by our faith in Jesus and our faith in Jesus alone. So here's how the church responds to the white horse. We respond by by proclaiming salvation in Jesus alone. Now, I want you to say salvation in Jesus alone with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Salvation in Jesus alone. Listen, this is being attacked hard. It is being attacked very hard. There's nothing you and I can do to save ourselves. The only way we can save ourselves is through faith in Jesus alone. Now you have the, the red horse, the, the second horse of the, the four horses. You got the red horse. Now look, it's, it's war and slaughter. The, the red it represents the blood that's going to be shed all around the world. Not the blood of Jesus, but man, people that are suffering and dying. Now, by nature, we're bent towards war. And I can prove it. How many of you ever had a three-year-old in your house? Man, battle, right? And they're ready to, to, to go. I, I'll even say this. Ha- having a child with, with autism, man, he's ready to fight all the time. With, with the, the brain defects that's going on with him, 
There, it, his, his, his frontal lobe is, doesn't work, you know, the, the thing that puts on the brakes. Man, there is rage there. When rage and anger and the human spirit find consensus with others, what does that lead to? And it leads to an all-out war, whether it be a civil war, whether it be a world war, whether it be even a fight among a church. Man, when rage and anger and the human spirit find consensus with others, it, it leads to all-out war. But what if there's not a world war going on right now? Is that, is that horse sitting still when there are no wars? No, he's always riding, always taunting, uh, aggravating, stirring up anger in the hearts of men and women, stirring up rage as if it were normal. Think about the last couple of years. And if you're on social media, it seems like we have been given permission to say and express whatever we want online. Man, we have let, we can let people have it. Because you know what? It seems like rage now is not just normal, man. We have this right to, to be enraged, to, to be angry. And it seems like we, we live in a world where uncontrollable anger seems normal. And people are profiting off of it. You, you can Google rage rooms in the Atlanta area. And, and you can go and you can pay X amount of dollars and they'll give you a baseball bat and you can walk into a room that says, I got all kind of glass stuff in there. And man, you can take it all out and just let every piece of glass, I hope they got it from like a yard sale. Hopefully they don't spend top dollar on this. But it's just, just get your rage out. We live in a world where that just seems normal now. But violence does not remove our anger. You know what it does? It only leads to regret. It only leads to, to sadness. And the reason we, we choose rage sometimes is because we seem so inept at dealing with our sadness. We just express it in, in anger. Matthew 24, 6 says this, You will hear of wars and you hear of rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Church, in a world where it seems like it's so easy, whether it be nation against nation or political party against political party or, or just opposing views on, on whatever issue, how does the church respond? Man, we respond by receiving the gospel of peace. Man, we respond by receiving the gospel of peace. We have been made right with God. We, we have peace with God. And because of that, we have the Holy Spirit that resides inside of us. And we can respond to any and every situation with peace. We don't have to give in to the taunting and aggravating ta uh, words of, of the red horse. Well, then you have the, the black horse, which represents famine. It says nation will, Matthew 24, Jesus says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And he said there will be famines and, and earthquakes in and, and various places. In Revelation, it says this, 
Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. Do not damage the, the most valuable things. You know what he's talking about here? He's talking, this is poverty rationing. You know what a famine does? It takes from the world what is actually needed for life and it leaves it with luxuries that don't give life. It, it, it takes what we actually need and, and leaves it what, what we don't need. Let me ask you this. What good is Netflix? And, and I have it. What good is Prime, Amazon Prime? And, and what good is Hulu? And what good is smart devices? Man, when there's no food. Now, what good are all these things? What good are all the luxuries that you and I have? But it's also more than that. It's setting up a reality where we don't have what we actually need to, to live the fullness of, of life. And, and we're left with junk that, that, that can't bring us life. So there's, it's more than just nothing to eat or drink. Man, this is famine of the, of the soul. It's a point where we have everything we want, but not what we really need. It's a point where we put our trust in everything we want, but not what we really need. And there's going to be a time like that. And there's a time even today where people, maybe not across the world, but some people are in this situation. They, they don't have what they need. So how does the church respond to this? We respond by, by practicing radical generosity and radical hospitality. We have, we have a gentleman in our church, and he's going to be out of work for, for 10 weeks. And uh, he, he's the, you know, he, they probably make about the same, he and his wife, but their, their income's been cut in half. And so I went to him, and, and I said, what, how much money do you need? How much money do you need? He said, I, I'm going to need eight. Between eight and ten thousand dollars, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to raise that." You know, and I, what I didn't do, I didn't come up here. And you can say, "Well, you're doing it now, Scott." I, I didn't come up here, and I didn't let the whole church know. I went to so far. I've been to five people, and I'm thinking people are going to give fifty, a hundred, twenty, ten. I talked to five people. And I've raised $5,000. I'm telling you. People didn't just pull out their wallets. All right, here's a 20. No, most of them said, let me think about it. And man, they, what they've done. And, and I'm, not, I'm not bragging, but, I, but I've given this way. And I remember when I thought about what my gift was going to be. I thought, you know what? I don't want to just give over the overflow. I, I want to sacrifice for this. And I cannot tell you what, how that has blessed my soul. And I can't tell you how it's blessed the souls of, of the others who have given sacrificially. And so that, how do we respond when we see someone who's, who's suffering, who, who's going without? And the church responds, especially as the end gets closer and closer, we respond with radical generosity and radical hospitality. So, so far, we talked about the white horse, and we talked about the red horse, and we talked about the, the black horse. So now we're going to talk about the, the pale horse. 
So we know what red looks like, and we know what um, black looks like, and we know what uh, white looks like. What, what color is pale? You know, it's like this other ugly yellowish green. Well, there's an image that came to mind. I, I wasn't caught up in the third heaven, but this is what I pictured. The 70s, you know, I'm thinking, oh, look at that wallpaper. It's, it's the color of puke, you know, um, the pale horse. So, what color, who came up with that? The 60s probably influenced that color, I guarantee you. So, the pale horse, it's it's sickness and and death. So, I don't know if you had that in your house. All right, who had that growing up? Who had those appliances? Okay. If you still have those, I'm sorry. you're online, you're going, man, he just pointed out our kitchen. I am sorry, okay? What the pale horse represents is is sickness and death. Revelation 6, 8. And I looked and and behold, a, a pale horse and its rider's name was Death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over forth the earth. Listen to it. It says to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence. And by wild beasts on the earth. 25% of the world. Death, a physical death, will happen for all. All of us one day will face a physical death. We do not beat physical death. With all the medical and and, and pharmaceutical commercials I see at night, man, listen, none of them promise that you and I will live forever on this earth. Everyone still dies. We are not whipping death. It is still undefeated. Sickness surrounds us both in the church and and outside the church. So how do we respond to that as a church family? When we see sickness and and we see death, man, we respond in faith, man, believing God can heal, but we also pray that prayer with with open hands. Knowing that God, if you decide to Take this person. We trust you. Your goodness is not determined by if somebody is healed or not. How many of you in the room right now know of somebody that's sick? That's really sick. Can we just pray for that person for a moment? Because that's how we respond. And then I'm just going to close that time just for a moment. Let's just, just call that person's name, whether out loud or, or, or to your, just quietly. Just say that person's name to the, to the Lord. Father God, we are surrounded. Father, in this world of COVID, Father, we're surrounded by sickness. Father, we, many of us not only have seen or maybe experienced COVID or, or cancer or, or, or lymphoma, whatever it may be. God, there are people that are suffering. There are believers that are suffering. And Father God, we we know that uh, Jesus is the great physician. God, we we pray for healing for these people. 
And Father, we pray, God, also your spirit would speak into them of your love for them. That Father, even though we may die here on earth, I mean, there is a spiritual death, Father, which is of greater concern. That Father, that we find victory in, in Jesus. Father, where we'll live forever with him in eternity. So Father, we pray for healing, trusting that you are good. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Those first four, those first four scrolls, man, those are for everyone everywhere. I mean, we're all gonna, that's going to be all over the world. We're, we're going to see that. These, these next two, uh, they're listed to regions and times, and, and one of them is, is persecution. Listen to what it says in Revelation 6, 9 through 11. When he opened the, the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters were killed just as they had been. Persecution. Now, I, I hear people talking about we're experiencing persecution in America and, and maybe a slight form, maybe politically and, and things of that nature, or maybe you've experienced because of your faith in Jesus, you lost a, a job. There's a persecution that's not going to happen one day, that, but is happening right now. We have some ministry partners in India and I want to tell you about two buildings. There's a huge field. They drove us out there to see it. And as you drive up to the huge field, there's a, a big an apartment building. That doesn't look like our apartment buildings here in America. It was, it was like three stories high, and it was you know, very, very long. And what they do with that building is, is ministers and, and elders and, and churches that are under extreme persecution, they have to escape during the middle of the night. And they come and, and their families get to stay in these apartment buildings for free. Matter of fact, this particular apartment building is dedicated to Eastridge. And I'll tell you this, some of the people didn't make it to the apartment building because I, I, talked, to, I talked to their brothers. Who's, who, one of their brothers was a pastor and he was killed because of his faith in Jesus because he wouldn't stop preaching Jesus. Well, right across the field is an apartment, I mean, a, a um, orphanage. And the orphanage is filled with kids. And some of you sponsor these kids. It's filled with kids whose parents were killed because of their faith in Jesus. They just kept showing up on Ververt and Ververt Neum's front porch. 10, 12, 15 kids at a time. And man, there's a, there's a whole orphanage filled with these kids whose parents were killed because of their faith in Jesus. Persecution is, is going to happen, yes, in the future, but I'm telling you, church, it's happening now as well. It's not just a future thing. Sometimes it's so easy here in America to think that it's, well, one day it'll happen. No, it's happening now. So you've got persecution. And what do we, how do we respond to that? This is not on the screen. I'm we pray for them. We pray for Yes, protection, but we pray for boldness. We pray, yes, for safety, but we also pray for joy. And we pray that the gospel will continue to go forth. 
And then he talks about the next one is, is natural disasters. He says, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a, a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. Now, this, understand this language. This is apocalyptic language. We don't, we don't write like this anymore. He said, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up. And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Can you imagine being John seeing that? You know what this is to do is to strike up emotion in us. Now, here's the thing about natural calamities. They're usually in a certain region or a certain place. I think about Hurricane Ida. They happen. I think about earthquakes we hear about around the world in Haiti. Man, they happen. There's always this mindset, we'll, we'll get through this and, and we'll rebuild. Think about New Orleans. Why would you build a city under sea level? It's crazy. But here they are and they did it. But you know what the mindset is? We'll get through this and, and we'll rebuild and then another one will hit there or, or somewhere else. And we'll see these things increase. But remember, as we walk through this, it cannot mean for us, the 2021 church, what it did not mean to the original church. To the, when I say the original hearers. Now, listen to what happens next. It says this, Then the kings of the earth, the princes and the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and the, from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of the wrath has come, and who can withstand it? He said, hey, hey, who can withstand all this? Who can withstand this wrath? Who can do this? Can kings? No. Can influencers? No. Can celebrities? No. Can politicians? No. Can armies withstand this? No. Can the rich withstand this? No. Everyone that the world looks to for hope, and they're hiding in a mountain, hoping that the mountain itself will fall on them rather than face the wrath of God. So who can stand? Tasha read uh, Revelation 7, 1 through 4, and it talked about, it referred to the 144,000. Now, I know when you first read that, or maybe you saw that one time you went, all right, there's 140 in here. Second service will probably have maybe 200, and then there's a church down the street, and then there's a church's meeting. Man, hopefully it's more than 144,000. 144,000 is a number of of completion. It represents completion and it represents countlessness. It says in verses 9 through 12, he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. 
And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne. They worshiped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. They're singing. We just read about these four horses, these, these two uh, persecution and natural disasters. And listen, they're singing. Eugene Peterson, we've quoted him quite a bit and we'll quote him more. He says this, who can stand in this world of evil? Those who follow Jesus can stand. They are not only secure, they are exuberant. This is a curious but a wholly biblical phenomenon. The most frightening representations of evil are set alongside the most extravagant exaltations of praise. Perhaps praise is the greatest weapon we have in protecting ourselves against the fear we naturally feel in the face of overwhelming evil. And just as God gives us a peace that passes all understanding when we pray, perhaps he gives us a courage that passes all understanding when we praise. Second service today, eight-year-old Mary Ella Osborne is going to be baptized. Mary Ella went into to the hospital because they thought they had one issue, and when she got there, they found some things that concerned them. And so they did a whole battery of tests, and, and um, Mary Ella would tell her mom, Ashley, she said, hey, mom, would you play uh, that song, The Goodness of God? And all of a sudden, she started feeling fear against this, this sickness. She said, hey, hey, mom, or, or dad, David, will y'all play the, the goodness of God? The surgeon said, hey, hey, Mary Ella, when we go back in there and we're, we're going to you know, take that biopsy, and she said, what, what song do you want playing? Um, when you go back there, and she said, I want the goodness of God. He goes, I'll find it, you know. In her fear, an eight-year-old turned to worship. And worship. Man, she faced some of the hardest times an eight-year-old, as much as she can understand, had. What did she do? She faced the fear. She faced the sickness with worship. And she sang. So who can stand in the face? Man, God's people. Who can stand in the face of evil? Who can stand in the face of fear? God's people can stand and sing in the face of evil. Don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to feel like, hey, I'm just sort of soft selling this and there's, there's you know, suffering to come. Don't worry about it. Uh, but let's remove the dread and fear that we're tempted to experience. Listen, I do believe things are going to grow more fierce and things are going to grow harder, but let's remove the dread and the fear that's tempting us. Listen, Matthew 24, 14, Jesus says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. It will get worse, but Jesus is coming. Listen, the riders have, have been unleashed and, and anger and opposition to the church will increase because God's people are confronting it all around the world and the kingdom of God is growing. 
Listen, the church started in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, and here we are in Covington, Georgia, and it is still spreading. Listen, Rome did not destroy the church. Plagues did not destroy the church. Hitler did not destroy the church. COVID will not destroy the church. The courts will not destroy the church. Politics and governments will not destroy the church. Schemes of the past have not destroyed the church. False doctrines it will not destroy the church. All of hell will come against it. And listen, and you know what we will do? We will stand in 2021 singing our songs to Jesus. This is our victory. Listen, this is our victory. Man, evil knows it. It's growing more fierce. And we will sing in its face. Hey, stand with me. Let's sing to Jesus. Hey, this week you're gonna be you're gonna be faced to be afraid. You're gonna face discouragement, maybe face face fear, face evil, whatever. You're gonna be tempted to to believe, maybe you, to doubt your faith. Hey, listen, sing in the face of evil. Don't wait till you feel like singing. Now, you know what I believe? I believe I believe uh, praise songs are just prayer put to music. Man, you just praise Jesus. Listen, thank you for joining us online. Thank you for being here today. Hey, to this week, practice. Hey, sing to Jesus. Sing to Jesus. See you next week. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.